This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw on Feral Audio. I am your host. I am still Joseph Scrimshaw and I am obsessed with obsessions. I have been having a great time doing this podcast over the last few years. I've learned a lot about people's loves, their fears, and about my own ability to bring up Star Wars, even if it isn't really germane to the topic. I have also discovered people are really good at answering my weird questions about Hitler, happiness, and their own crotches. Thanks, people. Consider this week's show to be our special in-depth look at clip shows, because we've compiled some of our favorite parts of some of our favorite live recordings of the podcast. You're going to hear from people who like the following things maybe a little bit too much. Jingles, The Force Awakens, Jane Austen, Doctor Who, and Game of Thrones. As always, you also hear our co-producer Sarah Meyer interviewing random human beings and seeing how they feel about some of these topics. Do they have a favorite jingle? Do they like The Force Awakens? Would they like to see an episode of Doctor Who where the Doctor meets Jane Austen? And then they go to Westeros, where Jane is discovered to secretly be a Targaryen? And then they both ride around on dragons? We will find out. But first, it would not be a best-of episode if we didn't include the best part of podcasts. And that is, of course the plugs. If you enjoy Obsessed Podcasts, you can support us by becoming a backer on Patreon. For as little as one buck a month, you'll get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episodes of Obsessed. Full info is on patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. Or you can support all of the artists on the Feral Audio Podcast Collective by shopping at Amazon through our portal. Just go to feralaudio.com, click the support our artist button, and go buy anything on Amazon and some of the money will go to supporting Feral Audio. It does not matter what you buy on Amazon. This week, I am recommending you buy a product called Color Me Jane, colon, a Jane Austen adult coloring book. Now, I am recommending this because adult coloring books Seems like something sexually frustrated characters in a Jane Austen novel would do to desperately stop themselves from ripping off their bodices and fucking everyone in sight. Five stars. Shows. I do shows right this very day as I release this podcast into the wild. I am a guest of honor at Convergence, a big old geek convention in Minnesota. If you are at the convention right now, listening to podcasts of me talking, please hit pause and go see all my shows and panels live at the convention. Back in Los Angeles on Friday, July 8th, it's the next installment of my comedy game show with Hal Lublin called Head Cannon. It's at the Nerd Melt Showroom, 7 p.m. For tickets and full info on all these shows, go to josephscrimshaw.com slash live dash shows. But for now... Pick out your favorite mismatching clothes and try to make them work together as you listen to our best of episode. Our adventure begins back in Minneapolis at the original home base of the Obsessed podcast, the Bryant Lake Bowl Theater. In this episode, I interviewed comedian, actor, and writer Sam Landman and huge jingles enthusiast Kevin Murphy of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Rift Tracks fame about how advertising seeped into their unconscious. Enjoy. Okay, so uh, Kevin, I wanna I wanna get it right into asking you some questions about jingles. Okay. So, why why have you made when and why did you make an attachment to commercial jingles? Uh, it started before I was um, literate. I think I was you know, pre literate in watching television. I I think I was one of the first 
uh, generations to be plunked down in front of the television. And then I'd shut up, and then the rest of my uh, family could get on with their lives. And so I started having jingles drilled into my head uh, from television and from the radio from the time I can remember. I mean, they were just always there. And they're incredibly easy. They just, you know, dive into your brain, and they stay there, and they never leave. They are the ultimate earworm. <laughs> yes. So... Um you, you're, you're a musician, right? I mean, you're quite an accomplished musician. I sing, and I pretend to play the guitar. I play with the guitar. As a matter of fact, you'll notice this is a tenor guitar. It only has four strings because it's so much easier than a six-string <laughs> guitar. So Kevin sent me a list of like five pages of jingles that he knew by heart. And there's, there's I just of, went through what was in my head, and it was all it was sort of embarrassing it, as it a matter of fact. It was amazing. I only looked at it today, and I posted on social media something like, HOLY GOD, in all caps, <laughs> because that was my honest reaction. And some of them I don't even know the product. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I want to start with Mystery Date. Oh, you... Oh, do some of you know this one? Mystery date, are you ready for your mystery date? Don't be late, it might be great. Open the door for your mystery date. Will he be a dream? Ah, or a dud? Oh. Open the door for your ah, mystery date. And with games, I always end it with the tag. Milton Bradley makes the best games in the world. Wow. So this was an advertisement for Halloween the movie, right? I mean, <laughs> okay, Why, so Kevin? we're going to see how many of these we can get through. I don't know if we can get through of them all. But there's one, okay, he tried, but he couldn't do it. What oh. the fuck is that? You don't, Lay's potato chips? Do you guys remember? Let's see. What? He tried. But he couldn't do it, he tried. No, he couldn't do it, he tried. No, he couldn't do it, no one could eat just one. He loved those Lay's potato chips, Lay's potato chips, thin, crisp, and oh so light. Those Lay's potato chips, Lay's potato chips, no one could eat just one. Okay, wait, wait. I have a theory that Kevin is making up all these songs on the spot. <laughs> which is, he's talented enough to do that, people. He's pulling the wool over your eyes. He's a human YouTube. You could just like... <laughs> no. Here's another one that sounds, just as a title, incredibly negative to me. That would not make me want to buy a product. It sounds like just like a weird, bad Dean Martin song. Everybody doesn't like something. <laughs> I, I don't know the chorus of this, but everybody doesn't like something. But nobody doesn't like Sara Lee. <laughs> Banana cake is one thing proving nobody doesn't like Sara Lee. That was it. And really? that's where nobody doesn't like Sara Lee comes from. Probably that jingle, like the the that root jingle. of that is. Yes, indeed. I love how there were people singing that right along with. Me. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be tears by the time we're done with this. These, I mean, the memories. These, yeah. these are all psychic lawn darts. We've all been stuck with them at one time or another. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone in the room remembers Wink, the sassy one. <laughs> Again, another one. It's sort of a jazz structure, and I don't do that. So it's Wink, the sassy one from Canada Dry. Wink. Is so refreshing, man, it's really hip. <laughs> wink has grapefruit sparkle. Take a sip and you'll flip for Wink, the sassy one from Canada Dry. Wink! Oh. Wow. Come on, yes! I, I remember wow. I was actually about seven years old, okay? Gemini spaceships are going out in space and the commercials would be Wink, the sassy one <laughs> from Canada Dry. <laughs> Hopefully we won't get nuked. Wink! <laughs> Meet the swinger, 
Polaroid Swinger. Oh, I love that. This was, you know, a lot of these came out of the 60s when everything was sort of, they were actually using hip and groovy a lot. And the right. Swinger was a little cheesy plastic Polaroid camera that you could take anywhere. And it took really crappy pictures. But uh, let's see, it's a uh, meet the swinger, Polaroid swinger, meet the swinger, Polaroid swinger. It's more than a camera, it's almost alive, it's only $19.95. Swing it up, yeah, yeah, it says yes, yeah, yeah, take the shot, yeah, yeah, count it down, yeah, yeah, zip it off. <laughs> the swinger, only $19.95. Right. Did they have a key party Polaroid? <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> that would be an adult commercial. Uh, okay, so another another one that grabbed my eye was "My Dog's Better Than Yours." Oh, that's a that's a classic. I, and I but I was working on a um, sort of a, a a romantic version of this because I loved it so much. My dog's better than your dog. My dog's better than yours. My dog's better cause he eats kennel ration. My dog's better than yours. Kennel ration has lots of meat and other really good things. <laughs> when my mom takes me to the store, she buys a zillion cans or more. My dog's better than your dog. My dog's better than yours. My dog's better cause he eats kennel ration. My dog's better than yours. Kennel ration. So that's exactly that's true. You didn't. Well, they they did it upbeat when they did it. My dog's better than your dog. My dog's better than yours. But those are the lyrics. Those are the lyrics and yes. things and There's, lots of other good things. And lots of other good things. <laughs> hey, Kid Rock uses it in his song, so why not put it in a jingle? Well, I think that proves my point about the quality of the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> so now that th that makes me think about sort of just like. Uh, what the jingles? Are. So obviously they're, they're designed to sell things, mm -hmm. but they're also like selling cultural attitudes. If you're s walking around saying your dog sucks ass, basically, exactly. Like, yeah. do you do you think that that shaped the generation that was getting exposed to a lot of jingles? That they were they were being kind of fed this uh, a very competitive outlook on life. Well, maybe. I mean, there was uh, the same thing with like hot dog commercials and cereals. It was I'm better than you. Because I eat this cereal, you know. There was an Apple Jacks commercial, which was about um, not being bullied. So you'd eat Apple Jacks, and then you could beat the shit out of all the people who were bullying you, which is not necessarily a bad message. But, um, but that was Apple Jacks. Clearly a lie. <laughs> Apple oh, yeah. Jacks. Yeah, yeah. I don't think of that as a badass no, cereal. All you'd, all you'd end up doing, you'd get punched in the stomach, and you'd throw up your Apple Jacks. I think uh, on the cover of Straight Outta Compton, they're eating <laughs> Apple Jacks, right? <laughs> like some. Okay, so. Uh, Kevin, I've saved my favorite uh, for the uh, the final final known jingle that you're going to sing. In the title of this, which I've never heard of, I saw it today, is "Let Noxima Cream Your Face." <laughs> the first time I heard it, it was this lusty woman singing, "Let Noxima Cream Your Face." <laughs> so the razor don't let Noxima cream your face. So the razor won't. And then the guy says, "Whoo." 
<laughs> and then he starts doing the shaving like he's stripping. Like his face is stripping. It was very strange. But then there was a second iteration because it was a very popular jingle. And uh, they had Joe Namath on as the man who was getting his face creamed. And the creamer, <laughs> the creamer was none other than Farrah Fawcett before she was an angel. And she sang it in sort of this very blonde voice. Let Noxima cream your face so the razor don't. And Joe goes, Woo! Okay, so I want to I want to make up a few jingles because I know ah, that, okay. that Kevin, you're super fast, and and Sam, you're you're a professional copywriter. So if you have lyric ideas, pitch them in. Oh, but I want I came up with a few products that are kind of like uh, uh, you know around in our in our current culture that probably don't have jingles but might have backed in the day. Okay. So, Kevin, could you come up with a jingle for the website LinkedIn? Am I alone out there? Can someone give me their business card? I want to link in with you, link in with you. Yay! That was great, because it had all the irony and inappropriateness of classic jingles. Thank I want to link in with you. Uh, okay, uh... Uh, Kevin, is there any other jingles that you want to sing? Oh, uh, there was one that jingles. I thought of that I don't know if anybody's ever heard this besides me. Um, it was for mobile gasoline. Um, and they had a part of the car, the engine called the rocker arm assembly, uh, assembled as a bunch of dancing Irishmen, like the Clancy brothers. And uh, <laughs> it went something like this. We're the rocker arm assembly, assembly, assembly. We're the rocker arm assembly and we don't like dirt. But detergent <laughs> gasoline keeps your engine running smooth and clean. So it's mobile, always mobile gasoline. Everybody, we're the rocker arm assembly, assembly, assembly. We're the rocker arm assembly and we don't like dirt. <laughs> This next episode was recorded in my current hometown of Los Angeles at the Nerdist School stage. I was joined by comedy humans and pop culture fiends, Riley Silverman, Clark Wolf, and Matt Belknap to process The Force Awakens. I was apparently very concerned with Star Wars characters' emotional needs. Well, let's get into some of the uh, details. So my first question for you guys will go down the line. Uh, which character in The Force Awakens would you hug if you could hug any character in The Force Awakens? Matt? <laughs> uh, my first thought would be Finn. Like, Finn just feels like he needs a hug, like, right <laughs> off the bat. Yeah. It's just like, what a, that, what a life, man. Like, yeah. just like, like, you know, we never knew what the deal was with Stormtroopers before. And yeah. actually, I was a little bit hesitant about that idea of like oh wait is this going to take the fun away from all the stormtroopers we've seen die <laughs> like, like it's so like you never give it a second thought like ah these fucking stormtroopers look at them they're so stupid they just get shot it's and like those fall austin down. powers cut scenes where the henchman's family finds <laughs> right. out they died <laughs> yeah yeah but i was like oh no like you can't give them humanity but i was like but he's such a great character but it works we were totally yeah. introduced to humanity and then seconds later like yeah shoot that guy in the head <laughs> yeah Yay, yeah he's like i made evil. a decision that day to not kill and then he's like turns around, like he's <laughs> blasting all of his old friends. Like, but like, yeah, I, I, uh, I just feel like he, he, and then he, you know, he, he does get a hug from Ray, which is, a, which is a great moment. But he, he works for it. 
Yeah, big he time. It. She does not it. want that. You know, she, that's a, she does not give it up easily. She's no. like, don't even touch my hand. First I of love all. that. I, I caught doing? that today. I didn't catch that the first time where she was like, stop holding my hand. I oh. know how to run. It's, it's so amazing. great. Especially because like when, he, when he's like, are you okay? After they get like blown yeah, and up. Like, and she's like, what are you talking about? Are you're, you okay? Yeah, like you're the one who's on the ground. But yeah. I, I like that when she grabs his hands because she realizes he needs it, not because right. like, she, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Riley, who would you hug? Do you I agree with hug, Finn? I would hug. Well, Finn is awesome. I mean, I would hug any of them, but if I had to pick, <laughs> if I was only allowed to hug one, it was yeah. a hug embargo um, from the Hug Federation, I would probably. Oh, no. I'd probably <laughs> hug General Organa. I'm going to nice. give her her proper title, unlike Freepio. Which, by the way, Freepio's one job is protocol, and he can't say the name of the woman he's I think that for. was very much on purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's made that mistake yeah. more than once because yeah, he's yeah. being a bitch um, about it. I, I, for me, Leia is just like one of those things where, like, well, first of all, she just lost Han, so spoiler alert. Um, so she, that, that's a sad thing. And also, just like I think for me, Leia is such like an important, iconic character. And so I think it'd be like me hugging like my childhood and like also like the fact that like you're here. <laughs> and also, Carrie Fisher seems like she needs it because the internet's been real shitty to her. So yeah. I feel like, you know, yeah. yeah. Okay, we got a Finn, we got a Leia, Clark. Actually, mine was Finn, too. Really? Uh, yeah, it really was. Because I, similarly, I just feel like he needs a hug. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, but he gives lots of hugs. He hugs Poe a lot. Yeah. And, and he uh, can't say that I blame him. Uh, and um, I think Poe is always uh, hugging everyone with his energy. He, he has yes. so much huggable energy. But maybe maybe Kylo Ren just needs it. Well, we saw what happened. Yeah, don't Kylo. hug that guy. Jesus I Christ. Know. I don't know if you saw the whole thing, but do not hug that guy. Yeah. Oh, I did. It's an excellent segue to my next question. If you were in a room with Kylo Ren, how many times would you punch him? <laughs> Oh wait, mask off. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you, could, uh, if you, but if it was like he was restrained in some way, and it was like Matt Belknap alone with Kylo Ren, how many times mm. would you punch him? Oh, I, I mean, uh, infinity, I guess. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like what? Are, what's the what? Are, like what are the rules of the universe that we're in here? Like, no, I think uh, I think infinity is great. Yeah. Like, I mean, like part of me that that's tough because like part of me is kind of like what I what I think is so cool about this movie is that like, he is. A way more interesting villain that I expected yeah. in a Star Wars movie because he is conflicted and you understand where he's coming from. He has both sides of, of the Force in him, and and so I yeah, I, part of me actually does want to yeah, I feel the same way as Clark. Like I, I do kind of want to give him a hug, but yeah. like, but after yeah, after killing Han Solo, it's like, dude. That's what I want. Why I was curious to ask about the punching question uh, is because the, you watch the majority of the film and you're like, oh yeah. The, he, this guy is misguided and a really a jerk. And then, yeah. then Han Solo, like, no, fuck you, die. Right, right. But uh, I, I have a question. Were, were you guys surprised that that happened? Like, really, you, died, you didn't see that coming? <laughs> I, I, I will say, like, seriously, I, uh, you know, roll credits, I could have said to somebody, anybody, I wouldn't have, but hadn't seen it, I would have said, yeah, I think Han Solo's dying. He, Harrison Ford is done. He does not want to be there. Now, yeah. granted, he showed up and he was great. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. Uh, but Harrison Ford does not want to be there. I think he wants to be at home hanging out, having Chris Angel come in and do magic tricks. Or <laughs> he has to remake every other yeah, film. He's I mean, doing Blade Runner. He's Blade gonna, Runner he's he gonna, still wants to do Indiana Jones. But yeah, I was not surprised by this at all. Like, I, I would have, if I had to predict a death, that would have been my prediction. You mean okay. like before you even went in the yeah, theater? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so like for me, I didn't see it coming that way, but it's definitely foreshadowed in the movie where you feel like it's coming. So th in a way, it, when it happens, it wasn't like the gut punch that I maybe would have thought it was. But um, And I also do feel like 
from a story standpoint, it's such a strong <laughs> choice, and yeah. it's it's such a great way to establish Kylo Ren, who is up to up until that point just a Darth Vader fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just kind of a punk, and you're like, oh shit, this dude just killed his father, aka the coolest motherfucker in this galaxy. <laughs> now I kind of have to respect him a little bit, even though I hate him times a million. In right. A so you would like, say I respect you, and then punch him in face. Yeah, I'd be right. like, you know what? I, yeah. I hate you with every fiber of me, but God damn it, I respect you. <laughs> I, I think I would get one punch in, and I'm imagining an airplane-like scenario where everybody would be lined up behind me <laughs> with a various weapon of their choice ready to punch. Nice. Actually, can it not be a punch, but just like a, an open hand slap? I feel like that's more appropriate for him. Yeah. Like, he just he just seems like a guy that needs an open hand yeah. slap. Yeah, so I think like that would nice be more satisfying scene. to watch in slow-mo. <laughs> yeah. I think it would feel better for me, too. Like, I'm not a punching guy, but a nice whack. A nice, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not a slapping guy either, but that just feels like a, the right thing and to it do. Feels I like the idea that I'm not a punching guy, but I will slap the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't even know what I mean by any of that. I just feel like that's uh, punching, I don't know. I like, it's a better just cinematic picture that the mask would come off with a psh, yeah. psh, the air comes out. I would even do it with whap. a glove. Like Maybe like if I could find Darth Vader's old glove, I would slap him with that. I'm just, like, I'm just picturing that scene from Robin Hood Men in Tights where he picks up the knight's hand and just picks <laughs> him across the face, except it's Darth Vader. No, only Men in Tights fan here? Okay, I, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Okay, so my next question is one that has not been I- examined as much. Uh, do you think that Poe should have let Finn keep his jacket. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. It suits him. It does suit him. I, I, I kind of feel like that's one of those things where he's like Mark Zuckerberg and he has a closet full of those jackets. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, whatever. Like, yeah, you can have it. And then he's got like 25 other ones at home. That would be a great deleted scene where Finn starts looking around the base and every attractive guy is wearing one of his jackets. <laughs> oh, so that's hey, your move. <laughs> thought I was special. <laughs> He's hugging everybody. <laughs> so we're all team Finn keeps the jacket. Yeah. That's yes. good. So yeah, yeah. do you guys believe but the that'd be internet... a weird thing to be really against, too, because that's like <laughs> not a thing you would ever get satisfied if you were like, oh, damn jacket. Like, you, if you're that mad that there's that, that uh, Finn has the jacket, you're never going to be happy about anything ever, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's always room to be mad about something in the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, that's so, what I'm saying. So the thing you get hung up on is where the jacket is. <laughs> that you're, you're done. You might as well get out of the game at that point. <laughs> Doesn't it look better on Finn than Poe? I kind of think it does. Like, when you think about I don't who, wear, think who wore it best, Joe? Uh, <laughs> I think Poe wears anything better than anyone oh, wow. ever. Wow. See, I, I mean, I I'm a married straight man, <laughs> and I spend most man. of my day thinking about Poe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The amount of straight boys that I know who are on like Facebook being like, I'm not gay, but I really do like. I'm like, you can. It's okay to like a dude. Like, you don't have to like get that upset about it. Like, not, <laughs> yeah. Not to you, but like, I mean, I, I feel like like there was a guy who was like, yeah, he's like George Cooney where he transcends sexuality. I'm like, or you know, sexuality is a fluid construct. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, whatever percentage of me is gay would, yeah, yeah. would be so excited to, to have some quality time and get a jacket from yeah. Poe. Uh, if you know what I mean. We now travel back to the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. Now, it's got bowl in the title because there's a bowling alley next to the theater. So if you hear a sigh of disappointment in the background, it's not about the podcast. It's not about the show. Someone just threw a gutter ball outside. Now, in this episode, Sam Landman returns and is joined by actors, writers, and Jane Austen experts, Shannon Custer and Craig Johnson. Since we were there to discuss Jane Austen, I immediately brought up Star Wars. 
Okay, let me ask you something that maybe maybe you can answer. What a novice would answer. Uh, well, who... well, it's, this is for you. I w I w when I was researching and thinking about things uh, today to, to prepare for the podcast, I was thinking there's something that's very Han Solo-like about Mr. Darcy. And yes. I thought, maybe I'm full of shit. What do you think? No, I think that's, that's very true. He's sort of, he's very, a, a little quiet, a little reserved, mm -hmm. but... Again, like, he's the guy who could totally... The woman in the front row is going to just jump up and throw something at me. But I really think that that's... He's kind of the... He's the smooth guy that every woman totally wants to lay. This is just upsetting, Craig. So, Craig, give, give voice ahead. to your anger. Craig, go ahead. Mr. Darcy is not at all like Han Solo. I mean... No. I appreciate that you chose to pronounce Han like you're Lando Calrissian. I know, I know. I really... Jesus. As the... As a, you know, no, it's no, fine. No, that's no, that's yeah, legitimate yeah. interpretation. If you're Lando Calrissian. No, no, no. Right. Mr. Dar Mr. Darcy is a gentleman. Um, he's a very smart person. He's an extremely handsome person. He's very reserved, though. Um, right. And I think it's that that gives it the sexual tension. I remember um, uh, when I was at the U when we were reading it in English class that there was. Um, the professor said, uh, she was telling the story about uh, this woman who was reading Pride and Prejudice to her daughter, who was like a tween or something like that. And, um, and her daughter said, okay, after chapter one, it's just like, oh, you have to tell me, do Elizabeth and Darcy, do they end up together? Do they end up together? And, and she said, like, well, I can't tell you that. You know, that's why we're reading the book. No, mom, I want to read the whole book, but you have to tell me right now. And that's how... That's how far the stakes are raised. The tension is just like unbearable because he's just like such a glamorous and enigmatic kind of figure. He just withholds so much. Good God. And, <laughs> and I, I do love that because it is true. Everything Craig said is true, but let's not forget the, you know, 10,000 a year or whatever. I mean, the thing about Darcy, <laughs> the thing about Darcy and how he's not like, Han Solo is that <laughs> he he has Pemberley, right? And and he has he's he's loaded, I, you know. And so he was he was a way out. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't right, but he could be kind of a dick. Right. Oh yeah. Right? So that that could have been the subject so of the book. Up, it made up. He was the full package. Insert joke here, but he really was. He was, you know. And so I don't know. I always think that we always forget about Pemberley because she even sees Pemberley on that one trip, and she's like, "Dang, damn, Pemberley. <laughs> Maybe he's not that Look bad." Look at this house, you know. I mean, and the pond. And the pond. <laughs> it's true, and that is very different from Leia's reaction to the Millennium Falcon. It's the exact. <laughs> Her reaction is the exact opposite. She's not impressed by his possessions. So, so it's totally different. It is totally different, but they both smell nice in the books. <laughs> okay, so if, if it was like we we're going to LARP Pride and Prejudice, where we're going to act out parts of it that kind of make it a game, mm -hmm. and somebody came to you and was like, Craig, you have to be Mr. Darcy. Could no. you? <laughs> I would not do that. I don't like games. <laughs> I maybe might do it if we were doing Emma because I like that novel better. Okay, and if you got to play Emma? No, I'd probably want to play Miss Bates, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, bottom line, you would LARP Miss Bates. <laughs> I would. I would really LARP Miss Bates. <laughs> Tears running down my face. Uh, and everyone else's, too. Uh, oh, God. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, Shannon, uh, this yeah. is for you. Uh, 
So, so much of what I think what makes Jane Austen stuff funny is that she's pushing against the kind of etiquette rules that are very important at the time, but kind of ridiculous. And, you know, a lot of the characters know that they're ridiculous, so they want to push against them. Do you feel like there's anything in modern society where you would know, like, this is ridiculous, but it's expected of me, so I just kind of go with the flow? <laughs> Every time I'm in a coffee shop, <laughs> you know? I mean, I think that I think there's a lot of that. I mean, anytime you attend a wedding or <laughs> family events or, you know, I mean, there's certain... I think in particular women, like, if, has anyone ever been to a baby shower? Mm-hmm. You know, you just... No. Yeah, you just... There like was really a loud boo from someone well, I, You know, sometimes they can be fine, but then the next thing you know, you're, you're digging around in a pillowcase with full of, you know, clothespins, and you're like, what's happening to me? <laughs> and every time someone says baby, they get a pin on, you know, so and you want to mock it mercilessly, but you're like, oh, I love you and your baby, but this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally Jane Austen. Very Don't Jane you Austen. She, she would, would go there and she better. would be there and she would embrace she that would too. Embrace she would embrace it and like, then... This is fucking bullshit. This is <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Shannon, no one in the world says the word bullshit better than you do. So could you just... Could you just say bullshit again? Bullshit. <laughs> I don't know why people like me it saying because, because that's like a little Jane Austen story by itself, the way you say it. Because <laughs> Bull has this desire, but it's held oh, back gosh. a little bit, and then bam, we pick through to the shit. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Okay, so I have a, a, a question for that I'd like an answer from for everyone. Uh, uh, recently, there have been uh, two celebrity diving <laughs> reality shows. And this, of course, just makes me think of Mr. Darcy in the pond. <laughs> So, I know, I know it's not in the book. Thank you, nodding lady. I know, I know. I read about it. Um, But still, it's a part of Jane Austen lore now, and I think it is a well-done scene in that uh, I like seeing something from the male character. I love that the shot that he does just look sort of like frustrated, and it is a male equivalent of what a lot of the female characters end up doing of breaking out of the norms, and it just does look like he's just like, I have to do something. I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> I'm going to swim. And like, that's as crazy as he can get at that moment, is swimming. And that's, it's awesome. Uh, so I, uh, going with the sort of diving wet puffy shirt motif, if there was like a Jane Austen reality show where she just pushed people <laughs> into a pond, who do you think would be pushed? Sam, who would you want to see pushed by Jane Austen oh, into this a is, pond. This is so easy. This is like, this is the granny shot of all answers. Like, this is really simple. It would be Abe Vigoda. <laughs> because he's still alive. And Louis Anderson basically had a heart attack or a stroke or something during the diving competition right. of the diving show. And I think it, this could be Abe Vigoda's time. Like, he just needs to be put off this earth. The earth's shuffled off. It's, he's done. And we've, we had a time where everybody, oh, Abe Vigoda, how ironic. No, his time's done. It's over. It's done, and I think Jane Austen would be like, Abe Vigoda. Okay, you would water murder Abe Vigoda. Yes, Got it. I and would. Craig, uh, who would you have Jane Austen push into a pond? Every single one of the Brontes. <laughs> Damn, and Shannon? Well, I would, I would have, you kind of said it, but the Kardashians, but I think Jenny McCarthy... 
<laughs> I just like I, I brought her name up out of the earth just to be angry about it. So we'll just put it back. We'll just put it back. But I think the Kardashian family should all be pushed in the pond. Yeah, one big push. I think Jane would have a good time with that. Nice, nice, lovely. Okay, so uh, I want to I want to kind of conclude the Jane Austen portion of the podcast. Uh, with a sort of release of tension, because that's often what the novels are about. Like, we we build up all this tension. The naughty lady in the front row has built up all her tension. <laughs> we need to let go. Uh, so what I'd like to do is I'm going to set the timer on my smartphone for one minute, and I would like to go down the line and have you guys name as many character names from Jane Austen novels all right, all right. as you can right. in one minute. And what I want you to do is just shout them out in a joy of release. Do we go in an order? Yeah, we'll start with Shannon. Okay. We'll go down the line. And just the important thing is to just keep going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so wait a second. So I'm going to go for a full minute? No, no you're, you're going to do one. Oh, Craig's going to do one. Sam's going to do one. Okay. Yeah. Because so I you took have... some allergy medicine. <laughs> just wanted to make that clear. So, okay. Here we go. You mentioned that. All right, are you guys ready to just shout them out? Yes. Just yes. All right, here we go. Shannon, go. Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Craig. Elizabeth Bennet. Sam. Percy Twatbottom. <laughs> Shannon. Willoughby. Craig. Mr. Darcy. Sam. Oscar Goldman. <laughs> Mr. Collins. Craig. Yeah. Miss Bates. Sir Poof. Jane Bennet. Lady Susan. Jean Krupa. Colonel Wet Musket. <laughs> Craig. Elfrida. Sam. The Elf. Shannon. Mr. Robinson. Craig. Frederick. Sam. Gandalf. <laughs> Shannon. Charlotte Lucas. Craig. Uh, Mary Bennett. Sam. Norman Bates. <laughs> Shannon. Caroline Bingley. Craig. Um, Lydia. Sam. Jerry. <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> Kitty! <laughs> Craig. Mr. Fitzwilliams. <laughs> Sam. Stanley exit sign. That's him looking at an exit sign. Shannon. William Ferris. And that is it. <laughs> oh. oh. Thank God. So I think you Did guys. You Norman Bates? <laughs> he was. I wasn't even waiting for you anymore. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Keep going. Boom, boom, boom. Craig, you, you said all real names, didn't you? I did. That. I said one fake one. Was Not that me? What Colonel was it? Wet Musket. <laughs> wet Musket. Was that fake? <laughs> no, it was not real. Which book is Colonel Wet Musket in? <laughs> the one in my mind. <laughs> How many Jane Austen novels can you name? None. Do you know who she is? No. Pride and Prejudice. And, uh... That's it. Uh, sense and sensibility. Um, oh, it's hard because I know like the Norwegian names for them. Stoltheta for them. There you go. <laughs> James Austin. Jane Austen. I haven't read any, any of her stuff. I mean, I read stuff, but I haven't read any of her stuff. I'm gonna have to look her up now. Pride and Prejudice, have you heard of that? Yes, I think I have. Do you remember what it's about? Having pride on the race and prejudice towards the world, I believe. Love and friendship. Who's this made into a movie? Love, love and friendship. Check love and friendship out because I just saw the movie. If you could give any Star Wars character a hug, who? I've done that already. 
Wait, say that again? I've done that already. What? I gotten to hug a character from um, Star Wars over at the CBS Studios in Studio City, and we were able to hug Chewie. It was priceless. <laughs> did Chewie make a noise? Yes, he did. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> Do you remember any jingles from your childhood? Well, it was a Felix the Cat commercial for Felix Chevrolet downtown, but Felix the Cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat. <laughs> I know there's like a McDonald's one. Bake, wait, spend the special sauce. No, I don't. <laughs> How do you handle a hungry man? Man handler. My little pony, my little pony, you know? That was another one. <laughs> For this next episode, I traveled back in time to 2013 and gathered several companions for a weird podcasting adventure into the wide world of Doctor Who. I was joined by comedian Molly Glover and Mr. Paul Cornell, who among his many credits wrote a couple of my very favorite episodes of Doctor Who. Go Google that shit. That's not the name of his episodes. Just Google which actual episodes of the television show Doctor Who he wrote. And my final companion is also a writer, C. Robert Cargill, who would go on to write this screenplay for a small little indie film that's coming out soon called Doctor Strange. So we're going to talk today a little bit about Doctor Who, which is an obsession I've had for an extremely long time. And I've been lucky enough to meet a few of the actual doctors in person and I came very, very close to having an intimate interaction with Matt Smith at the San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, I was having some drinks uh, in a kind of secluded area. and this was One thing thing. led to another. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I was having drinks, and Matt Smith and Stephen Moffat sat down, and there was no way for me to go to the bathroom without passing by. So I kept walking by the table and picking up snippets of conversation, and I'm not joking, both times that I walked past the table, I just heard Stephen Moffat saying, You know what part of my episode I liked? <laughs> I'm not joking. They were, they were clearly having a private conversation. <laughs> Stephen Moffat was just saying, You know, it was great. So it was, it was happy and nice. But then uh, they clearly had, were wrapping up in a fan brought Matt Smith a drink, and he took a sip, and then he clearly didn't want the rest of his drink, so he left. And then we left a little while later, and I, I walked past, and I said, That's... <laughs> That's Matt Smith's beer. <laughs> I'm going to go drink it. <laughs> and my lovely wife said, No, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so my intimate interaction was thinking about drinking his backwash. <laughs> so Molly, what attracted you to the new Doctor Who? Uh, the, my husband, who I was dating at the time, uh, was very much into it and was complaining that he couldn't watch it on time when he had it available to him because I, I wasn't into it. So I started watching it with him and then I was immediately attracted to David Tennant. Just so just pure on. raw, pure raw animal sexuality. And then uh, and then, you know, clever British writing, I would say was the follow up. How, how much space is there between those two motivations? <laughs> not, honestly, I mean, hello, Mr. Cornell, but not much. So, <laughs> so you're saying you're sexually attracted to Paul Cornell. I just want to be... You, you said that. You said that. I'm just... I did say it out loud. Is it true? Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to take the, you know, in America, we can take the fifth. So I'm going to take the fifth. I don't know if you're from, oh, it's the Fifth Amendment? I don't know if you're aware. <laughs> For those listening to the podcast, Paul's eyes have become very wide, and he's looking <laughs> back and forth like a cartoon character who's about to turn into a puff of smoke. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 
was just going to take a drink. I don't understand. <laughs> I've just had the host of the podcast pressurise a woman into saying whether or not she fences me. It's extraordinary. <laughs> You've been on the podcast before. You knew what to expect. This isn't really about Doctor Who, Paul. It's about you. Okay, but I, I have a question for Cargill. Are you sexually attracted to Doctor Who? <laughs> Which one? Well, in, uh, they're all the same character, but different you know, facets of the same character. So are you attracted to the character? Or is there one that you would, you would like to have a more intimate relationship with? Well, Tom Baker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Tell me there isn't a guy in the room that wouldn't, uh, you know, get a chance to Tom Baker. Absolutely. I mean, I'm super pro Tom I Baker. see a lot of nods. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think he would probably be the most intense lover. <laughs> well, and, you, and you've got the scarf to clean up with. <laughs> <laughs> And eating a jelly baby would probably abort a fetus. They're that bad. Well, hello. <laughs> That's a very cruel shape for that medication, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so witty and charming. That's well, so why Molly loves on you. To me now. Is this what the panel's about? I was about to come on to you, and then I stopped because I thought it was clear, and you filled in the rest for me. <laughs> I... I, 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 I imagine certain words said in a Tom Baker accent and it kind of puts me... <laughs> I also met Tom Baker at a signing uh, in London and he was doing his normal sort of big-eyed stare for every pose with every photo. But then uh, my wife, Sarah, took a photo with him and he just is, in the photo, is just leering at her. <laughs> it's like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. My child of the hero, I, leering at my wife's breath. I have, I've well, that's had, the panel, too. <laughs> I have had a, a disturbingly intimate encounter with an actor who played Doctor Who. Oh, tell us about that. Well, um, I was a convention organiser back in the day, and um, John Pertwee summoned me to his room one evening in a hotel <laughs> to, to negotiate with me about his fee for the convention. And he met me in a really short little oriental dressing gown <laughs> that went up to halfway up the knee, up, 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 the, up the thigh. And he sat there on his bed doing a basic instinct at me, um, <laughs> negotiating for his fee. And I was like, yes, 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 we can certainly do that. We can give you all that extra money. Bye. <laughs> now, I... That's old-school Russian negotiation. <laughs> you couldn't take your eyes off, and you gave him everything he asked for. Now, I, I don't think that um, John Pope, we had any sexuality other than hetero, but I do think he was a very good negotiator. <laughs> so let me ask, is the myth of a large nose relating to a large penis true? <laughs> I didn't quite get to see the... Um, you know, the, the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> you just saw the threat of what, what could happen down that road. Excellent. Uh, so, Paul, here's kind of a general question inspired by the show. If you knew that you could regenerate, would you live your life differently? Well, perhaps more excitingly. I mean, I, 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 I do wonder about the time lords that stay at home, like Lord President Barusa. Every time the Doctor goes back, to Gallifrey in the Fifth Doctor era, um, he meets a different actor playing Barusa. So this very staid society with a president at the top, what was, has he got a motorcycle? <laughs> I think they just have a lot of stairs and always wear those robes. <laughs> and just go tumbling down. So what kind of risks would you take if you knew, like, fuck it, I'm, you know, I'm going to pull a stunt and I'm going to regenerate at Convergence and people will just love it. 
What would you do? What crazy thing would you do that might cause you to... My, my wife might not love it. You know, I'd, be, I'd have an entirely different character and body. I'm, 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 well, yeah, I know. I'm asking you to imagine. You're a writer. <laughs> Dream a little. <laughs> can, can, I, can I feel this one? Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Tell me what Paul would do if he could regenerate. I, he wouldn't wait for the elevators anymore here at the con. <laughs> He'd just jump? <laughs> He'd just jump, yeah. Regenerate, it's like, it's a lot faster and a lot less painful. That'd be great, yeah. And you could even just have a tip jar down there and people could be really impressed. <laughs> and you land. Well, get an extra fee. You only, you only get 12 goes, but actually it's probably worth it for a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> so you would use your ability to regenerate mostly to, for the ease of transportation? Uh, that, that, yeah, pretty much. That, and actually, living down in Texas, uh, it would, it would, I, I could go to certain towns after sundown. <laughs> <laughs> so Molly, what would you do if you could regenerate? I think I would eat a lot more and uh, and move a lot less, and then and then and then I would eat, you would just regenerate into a better body, so I wouldn't have to worry about heart disease or double heart disease. So that's the, case, the exciting maybe. thing you would do is sit and eat until you die. <laughs> I really, really love to eat. I don't think you guys understand. I don't know. Have you have you eaten food? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really good, but it's just a really gross picture in my mind of just this incredibly large human being, and you burp, and the regeneration energy starts to come yeah. out of your mouth. Yeah, the, the, the Domino's delivery driver knocks four times. <laughs> That's a new hoozing. There you go. That's me a TARDIS. <laughs> I, I, I await end-of-season cliffhangers for both of you, honestly. <laughs> Just one very thin jelly baby. Will she have fries with that? <laughs> yeah, well, th I'm really glad that you guys can't regenerate. <laughs> so we don't have to watch you commit suicide slowly and quickly. And finally... At the annual Geek Convention Convergence, we did an episode all about Game of Thrones. For this episode, I was joined by uber Game of Thrones fan Rebecca Watson, creator of Skeptics.org, and my pal comedian Tim Wick, who is not a huge Game of Thrones fan. In fact, like Jon Snow, he knows nothing, and it is glorious. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Tim, can you tell me which of the following is a real character on Game of Thrones? <laughs> I got a list. Okay. Uh, Sir Gregory Gigglefinger, Thaddeus Grumblebutts, Jameson Ladyhands, Lord Vowels Consonants, <laughs> Catherine Shithead, or Anderson Cooper. I, um, okay. <laughs> I don't feel like any of those are actual characters. Can you? Uh, can, can I? I uh, Anderson Cooper. I'm going to eliminate. Okay. Um, are you playing fuck Mary Kill? <laughs> <laughs> He's all three. Uh, but uh, it, what, what was the first one again? Sir Gregory Gigglefinger. Okay. No, not that one. Next one? Thaddeus Grumblebutts. I'm going to go for that one. Thaddeus Grumblebutts. You think Thaddeus Grumblebutts is a real character? I don't. But I, I don't think any of them are. I, don't, I believe, I believe you're, tra you're tricking me. That you're, you're, just, you're just playing. You're toying with me, Joseph. None of these are real characters. It is a cruel show. game of mental Yahtzee I'm playing with you. <laughs> You're just trying to get me to zero Yahtzee or use chance. It's not fair. Yes, none, none of these characters, uh, at least, are they're not in the television show. Maybe they're in books. Um, this is a, a question for both of you, so feel free to jump in. Uh, so Khaleesi uh, commands dragons up to a point. Uh, if you could command a dragon in real life, what would you guys have the dragons do? Mm. I would definitely have the dragon kill Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> 
Is there a reference or a connection that I'm missing? Or do you just want Craig T. Nelson to die? I just really don't want that Coach remake to happen. <laughs> I feel like Coach was a perfect television show. There's no reason to redo it, so. If you start down this path of having your dragon eliminate <laughs> poorly advised reboots, you're going to be murdering a lot of people with your dragon. Well, that's what dragons are for, Joseph. <laughs> and napping, apparently, from the latest episode. Uh, Tim, if you had a dragon and could command it, uh, what would you have it do I've for you? I've been thinking about it a lot while Rebecca's been talking, and I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel that what I would have a dragon, what would uh, be most useful for a dragon would be to find uh, the remote control in my, in my house, because my kids always hide it. And I think dragons would be really good at that. Okay, well, I feel like I'm learning about you guys even more. <laughs> Rebecca wants to murder Craig T. Nelson, and you need a little help around the house. <laughs> I think that's fine. So we'll learn a little bit more about you guys from this question as well. Uh, the houses in Game of Thrones, all of the, the noble houses, are very proud. Um, what do you guys think the strengths and weaknesses of your houses would be? What would House Watson be like? Oh dear. <laughs> well, the parents would constantly be on the cusp of divorce, <laughs> but never actually doing it, staying together for the children. Uh-huh. Did you learn enough about me? <laughs> or should I continue? Rebecca, I don't think I'll ever learn enough about you. <laughs> yeah, I think you should continue. So what would your what would the house motto be of your divorce prone family? <laughs> Let's keep it together till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and is there is there an image on the sigil? That's a masturbating cat. <laughs> what about the bathrobe? <laughs> with with a bathrobe. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, for listeners, uh, please listen to last year's Obsessed podcast uh, that we recorded at Convergence called Cats, most of which is about your cat masturbating on you. Well, once that comes up, so to speak, it's oh, hard yeah. to it's hard to move on to any other topic. In, in, we haven't been able to move on for almost 365 days. <laughs> um, so, Tim, uh, do you do you understand uh, the the general idea of the question that they're I, the noble houses? The they noble have their houses. mottos. Sure, they're I've, very proud. I've, I've heard of historical noble houses. Yeah, but yes. this is different. It's this, better. Okay. Because it's on TV every week, and okay, sometimes there are breasts and, and men's buttocks. And butts. Yes. yes. Okay. Sometimes. Uh, so, it's a peen. <laughs> yeah, house, uh, house Wick, I, th I, um, I think uh, our biggest strength would be uh, starting something else we don't have time to do. Okay. Yeah, just committing, over committing. Over committing. Our, over committing is our superpower. Okay, so yeah. how would you translate that into the nice, tight little motto? Uh, there must have been a moment when we should have said no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and what would the uh, what would the image be that on the sigil? It would just be a gigantic mishmash of shit. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, so there's been a red wedding and a purple wedding. What color should the next wedding be, and what should that color mean? Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> so brown. Somebody in the audience has voted for brown. The shit wedding, obviously. Uh. <laughs> um, oh man. Uh, well, it'd be. I would like to see um, a white wedding starring Billy Idol as a White Walker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And what would uh, what would narratively happen? What would the function of that be? Well, um, Littlefinger would uh, offer to marry a White Walker uh, to form an alliance so that he can reign over every everything. You know, um, so. He, he would go with for Billy Idol. Like he, they would all line up, and he'd be like, "Obviously, I want to marry Billy Idol." Uh, <laughs> and then would Billy Idol sing at his own yeah. wedding? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he would. He would sing a. You know. Um, hey, sister, I'm what have thank you. you. <laughs> I was trying to think of any other Billy Idol song, and I couldn't. <laughs> I can really picture the the main White Walker singing that suddenly. Yeah. And then they would have sex, and they would make a baby that looks like half Billy Idol and half Littlefinger. All at the wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how they reproduce. That's how Billy Idol's reproduce? Yes. <laughs> By having sex at a wedding? And, and immediately having a baby. <laughs> Start again! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Thanks for listening to this best of episode of Obsessed. We love doing intimate interviews in my home or at the Feral Audio Studios, but we always love big, raucous live shows too, and there will be more of those coming soon. If you enjoyed these excerpts, you can, of course, find the full episodes and many more on Feral Audio or iTunes. Now, since I have spent years asking people weird questions to close out the podcast, it seems only fair that I do it to myself. So here we go. Self, if you had the power of flight, but you could only fly if you were holding an object in your hand, what would you want the object to be? Well, Self, I would hold on to a tote bag from Whole Foods, because what the fuck is the point of being able to fly somewhere if you can't, like, make purchases and carry stuff? Also, I feel like holding a Whole Foods tote bag would say to the world, look, I have no interest in fighting. Yes, yes, I am flying, but just because I can fly doesn't mean I'm a superhero. I'm carrying a tote bag. And not like some aggressive tote bag from Hot Topic. No, it's from Whole Foods. Leave me alone. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty good answer, Self. Uh, next question. If the U.S. government made a stamp of you, what would you be doing on the stamp? Well, uh, I would be staring off into space. It would look like I'm thinking about something really deep. But then if you zoomed in really close, you could see a reflection in my eyes and realize I'm just watching Star Wars and probably one of the prequels just to add conflict. Okay, that makes sense. That's good. And the final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Jeez, that's a, that's a big question. I think happiness is just being in the moment. Scrimshaw said to himself, reading from a piece of paper because he got to prescript the answer. Come on, self. That doesn't seem fair. Answer in the moment. Put down the paper and answer the question, what is happiness? Uh, okay, here is my uh, gut reaction to what happiness is. I think happiness is being super into something, just like people are on this podcast, being so into something that you almost lose yourself, that you are teetering on the brink. To me, is happiness is when you are visiting the Grand Canyon of your soul, and you just think, 
I keep wanting to get closer and closer to that, closer and closer to that big, exciting thing. And then you're right there on the edge when you can't really go any further. That's what happiness is, not being able to go any farther or you'll fall in the hole. That was a weird answer, but totally true and from the heart. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. That's it for this episode. Thank you for coming back every week and just walking right up to the edge of the hole in my soul. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Transformers. All of each the odd. There you go.